here from data stories together with Moritz and uh, we have Andy with us today. Hi Andy and Moritz, how are you? Good evening. Hi there. Great to have you here. You are the first guest of data stories. Absolutely, it's a, it's a great privilege. I expect a, a tie as a mentor in the post this evening. Yeah. So just for those of you who don't know who Andy is, <laughs> is Andy Kirk from visualizingdata.com. Uh, yeah, com. Dot com. And um, he's a man of many talents, I would say. Of many talents. <laughs> many talents. <laughs> but what always took, stood out to me, yeah? yeah, many talents, but what stood out, he's from the UK and he's not David McCandless. <laughs> <laughs> and that's quite something if you think about it. Okay, so we invited him not because he has one of the most famous blogs about visualization. No, not, not because no. he is one one of the few who is giving wonderful training about visualization, but no. only because. Nor him being a, an animal on the dance floor. Yeah, <laughs> but only because one we wanted. <laughs> But uh, only because we wanted a more exotic voice than ours. So today we have. And here we are. This is my gift to the world. So today we have a true British exotic voice. Yeah. You can stop it now with the accent. It's fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll stop putting it on now. Yeah. I hope Ben, I hope, uh, ben Hoskin likes it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Um, I think the episode will be pretty much about your experience uh, at Malio, Malofier 20. And um, I will basically take the part of the listener and trying to ask some questions to you guys because uh, we mm -hmm. didn't discuss about it so far. So I'm really curious to hear what you have to say. It looks like it was a wonderful, beautiful event. Uh, all the things I read around were really enthusiastic. So I'm really looking forward to hear what you have to mm. say. Yeah, so, um, Andy, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess the, the first thing is, um, for those who don't know, Melofiege or Melofiech. Um, Malofic. I, I, I came across it probably about three years ago, four years ago, and as I wrote in my blog post the other day, it was really through people like Chicky Esteban and Gert Nielsen, who were often talking about the build-up to it and then the reflections and it always seemed like a really really prestigious event and and something that i guess in many ways the the data this field is missing um but given that it was such a a parallel subject in many ways a parallel context of infographics and print online journalism publishing world so i kind of kind of always just sort of paid attention when it came up but um not much more. Then obviously, I think it was in 2009 when the famous stream graph, the ebb and flow of movie takings, no. won the award. And, and that seemed to trigger quite a lot of debate, a lot of uh, polarised opinions. And I think that's when my awareness sort of moved on to a new level. So I've I think that been... was always also when sort of the, the print and the online world clashed a bit for that's the right. first time. I think before it was like... Yeah, everybody does his thing, and there was like this very 
let's say, generative design, coding-inspired infographic that won mm. the, the prestigious infographics award. I, I also re remember these discussions around that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so for me, when I got the invite from uh, Javier before Christmas, it was a, it was a wonderful um, kind of honor and privilege to, to be invited. And I have to say it was just a, you know, a, a thoroughly wonderful event. But um, what, what's your experience, Moritz, in, in terms of the build-up to it? Obviously, you mentioned that you've had some exposure through the ebb and flow diagram. Yeah, but I, I think before I also wasn't really aware of of what it is and what it's about. So it is basically a, a world summit for the infographics world and everybody who has a big name comes there. And as you said, it's true. There, there is nothing like that in the dataverse field and mm. it's a pity in the end. And they've been doing it now for 20 years. So there's this rich tradition of the whole event. They showed right. a lot of old photos and, you yeah. know, how in the beginning they would like do the first presentation with actual you know, photo slides, you know, or how yeah, do you say, like yeah, slides, a real slideshow, not not a, a, a metaphorical one. And of course, at that time, everything was hand-drawn, hand-illustrated. So the whole event carries this rich tradition of infographics that we really lack uh, as the digital guys. And it uh, was very um, educating just to, you know, I mean, that's already now the summary sort of, but for me, it was very educating <laughs> to learn about this world before I, I wasn't really... Uh, aware that I much of, of this I, rich t tradition and infographics. Can you can you guys tell me a little bit about how is it how it is organized? Is it basic? I know that there is this whole thing around judging mm. a very large number of entries, but do you also have keynotes or anything <clears throat> similar there? Yeah, um, I mean the the organization is is very much a voluntary process. Um, Javier Area, I think that's it, how you pronounce his surname. Um, he kind of leads on the organisation and he's got a couple of um, colleagues, Alvaro and uh, Angela, who assist. And it's, I think that kind of voluntary sort of family feel is something that permeates across the whole event, really. It's very, it's very rooted and very kind of welcoming and warm as, a, as, a, as an event. But the, the event kicks off on the Saturday evening where all the judges come for a dinner, uh, kind of a welcome dinner, and Javier introduces the the kind of rules of the contest and the schedule for the week ahead. And then it kind of parts off into two routes. So on one hand, you've got the judges working on the assessment of what were this year 1,500 entries. And then on the other track, you've got um, four of the top infographics guys. Uh, this year it was Alberto Cairo, Jeff McGee, Juan Velasco and John Grimwade. And they take a group of about 20 students through a two-day... Um, workshop and and give them a really rich experience and and education in how to kind of maximise the work there. So then it all kind of comes back together when the judging is finished and when the uh, the show don't tell as it's called workshop finishes. Then the sort of summit or the conference begins on the Wednesday evening and 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 there's sort of two days of of keynotes. And then in the end, there's a big celebration for the prizes. And That's there was right. also because we had the 20th anniversary, some special prizes and some special speeches and so on. So the, it, the whole week was packed. You know, we were judging, we were 
there was the workshop, there was the talks, there was the celebrations, and in between <laughs> you meat. have to eat like lots of meat because it's in Navarra, <laughs> which is like a, a rich and very meat-heavy area in Spain. <laughs> and then, I mean, the the advanced conditions are also that I mean, you you judge all day. I looked at f I think almost 400 online entries, and you know mm. you have to judge all of them, so you can't just briefly click but you have to look at all of them immerse yourself yeah exactly so you do that all day you have lunch at two until four you, you work until eight and then you go for dinner at <laughs> 10 eat heaps of meat drink lots of wine get lost in like uh interest, interesting back. but long discussions come back totally destroyed and next day you start again at eight <laughs> well no you, you come back and then you do trials on your own presentation because you realize yeah, exactly. you're not ready yeah and, it, <laughs> and and there's yeah. no there's no doubt you answer so. emails and work on your presentation exactly and we did like three or four week. days in a row and <laughs> we were totally destroyed afterwards mm. basically <laughs> yeah. so every every judge is invited also for a talk Yes, yes, that's okay. the interesting thing. So every speaker is a judge, every judge is a speaker. And that's, I mean, that's interesting. Um, I haven't seen a conference like that before, I, I must say, yeah. But you've also got this, because all the judges are speakers, um, you've also built up this sort of week-long camaraderie with people. Uh, and so you, I call you, it you, Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you feel sympathy towards your kidnappers in, in ways that you wouldn't normally normally feel. But yeah, yeah, you're all really, really interested in each other's work and backgrounds, and you, you genuinely want to stay there and listen to everybody's mm -hmm. talks, um, rather than arriving cold and going straight to a conference and perhaps picking the ones that you would perhaps skip but this was you know it, it was something that built up a, a kind of crescendo of, of interest really yeah yeah and it was and, very and personal got, definitely and god yeah usually you're like at a conference for two days and you just say hi and have a drink together but here we had like four or five evenings together and that really builds up uh, real friendships i think that's right and yeah, and absolutely. i have to say that everybody that was present there were some really really great people uh very friendly very interested in what you do more so than what they do um just a really good friendly group and, and it really enriched the the judging process i thought yeah yeah we could go through the talks of all the yeah, judges sure. and use that chance maybe to to introduce briefly all of them i think we can't really go in as much detail as everybody would deserve mm. sure. we can just say a sentence or two sure. so people get a sense of the scope yeah that would be so, great so the conference kicked off with um on thursday with in the morning with uh, Gonzalo Pelzer. Pelzer? I don't know. Pelzer? <laughs> That's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Pelzer. <laughs> and he, if you thought it was not exotic talk, enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get any more exotic. It's just going to have exotic scale. That you have is Spanish. Danglish. Go ahead. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What did you talk about, Andy? I mean, it was somehow about the... Well, listen, I, I... Because, I mean, the other thing about the conference was um, it was a mixture of Spanish and English, and you had these wonderful translators yeah. in this little booth at the back of the room. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, and you could uh, obtain some headphones and, and listen to the translation. Unfortunately for Gonzalo's piece, I didn't have any uh, headphones because I forgot to bring my passport to the yeah. conference. Silly me. Uh, <laughs> so, so I couldn't get hold of... Uh, but I, I watched it, and yeah, yeah. I heard uh, from others, and... He was kind of uh, remarking about the the quality of uh, print journalism, some of the headlines and stories yeah, that yeah. are shown in, and, and published. And 
kind of was much an opinion this. talk. He was he, he said yeah. basically like it's all very superficial news. It's just reporting the obvious and not the not the surprising or not the analysis, but it's just the obvious crap. Mm. And mm-hmm. that this whole the whole business of reporting is has become superficial. So it was a bit of a provocative um, mm. um, general wake up call, I think. Yeah. He's a provocative person, so I yes, think he is just it. having fun, like throwing, yes, throwing want, extreme round positions around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but it was very entertaining and obviously a good start. If in the morning you, you know you start with something like that, everybody's like alert and <laughs> yeah. like, what the heck? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, next we had Andrew Andrew Van der Moere, or AVM five hundred as we like to call him, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he he did an excellent speech on. Um, the tyranny of the pixel. Yeah, tyranny of the pixel and how, I mean, basically I would say about situated and physical visualization forms. Can we say that? Yeah. Is I'm that being... an accurate summary? Yeah. And uh, that was interesting. And also the this, the response was interesting because, I mean, you have a traditional info, print if, infographics crowd. Mm-hmm. And they were very skeptical of this whole idea that data to bring data into the world in form of physical visualization because everybody can see it and super transparent and they immediately thought of big big brother scenarios and so yeah. so that was interesting so there was a big deal of um fear of too much transparency or too much um too much yeah transparency in the end mm-hmm. so what, is, what, is do really mean, talk? what do you mean by that? physical visualization can you give me an example well there was an example of um one piece would have been uh the, i guess the thing that sticks in my mind most is the it's kind of a balloon that's stuck at the back of a car through its exhaust and it's this huge inflated black cloud that represents kind of carbon emissions okay yeah, yeah so it's I trying see. to use that yeah. kind of ambient shock and impact of wow this is how much uh uh, kind of consequence carbon footprint of this car is, um, uh-huh. but there were there were a lot of pieces that I've not seen before, which was really interesting. Yeah, okay. and also some of his work or what he did with the students. Yeah. I, I think it was a really nice talk and very adequate. So it was, in a way, from the future. I think for mm. for many of the people. Yeah, yeah. And then we had uh, Moritz Stefaner. I don't I know. Said, yeah, I I've said that right. C celebrity, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy? I've never heard yeah, of him. Some, uh, somewhere from Germany. I don't know. Strange guy. If you have With him. his uh, sensational talk. Oh my God! It's all connected. OMG. So I mean, how did how did you feel about Moritz? It seemed to go down very well in the audience. There were some challenging questions from uh, uh, Professor Stoll. Oh yeah. What, what did he ask? I just remember that I, I felt a bit. Um, when he when he when he raised his hand, I was like, "Oh damn, Mister Stoll, he knows so much." Yeah, yeah, he will ask something smart. But now I don't recall the question actually. I can't actually when I think about oh, it. But, but it was I know a good one. It, I think it was, it was a well received uh, uh, presentation. There's, I mean, once again, I think just kind of stepping back a bit. I think the beauty of this event was the the real blend of mix of talks. There were so many different ones. Whether it's journalism or Andrew's research work or ambient media, Moritz's yeah, yeah. network stuff. In, within the first three sessions, you had such a nice mix of things that you, you weren't getting that relentless stream of, oh, here we go again, it's the same topic we've mm, heard all day. Yeah. So, and it was far beyond just showing projects, I have done this and I have done that. You know, Everybody prepared something, a message, you know, or, mm-hmm. or something special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Yeah, so I talked about networks and just 
yeah, showed a few of my projects, but that dealt with interesting solutions for showing networks without creating a big mess of lines. Mm. And I think also it was helpful because there were, certainly in the print category, there were a lot of static printed network mm -hmm. diagrams. And it's hard to do. So there's clearly a lot of people out there trying these things and, and perhaps not quite pulling it off in, in the print media, but mm -hmm. as the online side grows, it'll be definitely a, a route that people want to take. And Moritz, are your slides available online? Yes, we'll link them from the show notes. But they are not so self-explaining. I'm always bad at that. But they have some text, like short <laughs> motto. But not, at the same like time, they are visual prompts for the event. They're not really supposed to be documents either. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but it's still it's a reference, at least of the project I mentioned. That's on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Next up was Andy. Andy Big Data Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about big data, incidentally, and uh, yeah, but yeah, it was a great overview um, of like the challenges of today's like data situation, uh, how to tackle them, uh, lots of quotes from contemporary uh, digital data people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, I, I like the mix, Andy. It was really a good presentation because Thanks. you showed some principles, you showed some examples, uh, you had some quotes. Uh, yeah, so well, the, I mean, okay. the examples are important because I spoke to quite a few people beforehand and, and tried to get some sense of their process and tips and recommendations that they'd been through. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was really appreciative of, of their kind of support in, in, in building up the slides and the, and the examples. So uh, my slides are up on, on the site, on my site as well, and there's a screen at the very end which thanks all those people individually. So I won't go through them now, but yeah, it was, it, it, I, I was quite uh, content with the, with the presentation, really. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's uh, and it's it isn't a really important topic, and especially big data. I mean, we all know yeah. there's lots of people talking about that. So I'm yeah. happy if somebody <laughs> has at least some some substance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in that area. Yeah. I think that big data is really is really important. I mean, I'm I'm really curious to see what you what you said there, Andy, because mm. uh, in a way, visualization is very limited with big data, mm -hmm. and nobody is talking about it. And yeah, well, uh, and in academic course. circles, this is this is a hot topic. I mean, there's you can you can tune visualization as much as you can, but in the end, you can the best you can do is to represent uh, I don't know one data point with one pixel, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this means that at maximum you can visualize one million pixels or so. Mm -hmm. And mm. then interacting with it is is going to be really complicated anyway. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the the stuff that's mentioned in the, in the slides talks about different kind of layers of, mm -hmm. I guess, rolling up aggregation layers, uh, and that was something that certainly Kim Reese, thanks to Kim Reese, uh, mentioned uh, in the work that she done for um, that periscopic had done for the uh, yeah. Yahoo mm -hmm. core visualization and the and the mail as well. So, yeah, I mean the the purpose of the of the talk was to kind of avoid going too deep in the technology side and talk about the human factors, the decision points, mm -hmm. the, the way of coping really, because I guess in a, in a journalistic sense, you've got these limited environments of time pressures and resource pressures, and it's just really to get, give people a, uh, a way to cope in those environments really. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was, a, it was a good, good but talk. What I think is interesting, I mean, recently I've been thinking about it, about it quite, a, quite a lot, while preparing a presentation that I had to give. And uh, in the end, what I think is really striking is that it's extremely easy today for any person working with data to end up dealing with 
quite big data sets. Mm. Mm. So, for instance, I, I have um, an initial collaboration with some people who collect this, uh, this database was called Aid Data. So they yeah. basically collect, collect data about every uh, flow, money flow related to aid from okay. one country to another or from organizations to other countries or from organizations mm -hmm. to other organizations. And they have been collecting this data for uh, quite a while now. I think they have a database that goes from, I don't know, the 50s up to today. Kind mm -hmm. of, okay. Crazy, yeah. And and this is uh, this is relational data, temporal data at the same time, and it's huge. Mm. If mm -hmm. you try to visualize this data on a flow map, mm. which we no tried, chance, yeah. mm -hmm. which we tried, no chance. There's no mm. chance to do it, right? Yeah. I also and, on my hard drive is currently a ten gigabyte JSON file. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, and it's, sure, yeah sure, it's like. Sure. And, and the I mean, second and thing not, that we and, haven't even really started to tackle is if this data is also constantly changing. And I think that's that's the the big yeah. paradigm shift. I mean, a big data set, I can sample, I can chop into pieces, you know, I can extract, aggregate. But if things are constantly moving, then, yeah. then you have a problem. <laughs> and, and what's the point if you're not keeping up with that velocity? Yeah, and you have to change the aggregation all the time, you know. You have to sort of uh, re-aggregate and, and so on. And so that's that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, but what I think is really striking is that, as I was saying at the beginning, is that these people are not data data geeks or analysts or people who have been trained to do fancy stuff with data. These are political mm -hmm. scientists. Mm -hmm. and, and they uh, end up with this huge data set. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and all in a sudden they, are, they have to deal with these huge data sets. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. I don't know, I've been working with biologists and uh, they are extremely clever in their own field, but they, some of them, they, they don't have the minimum clue about how to deal with a thousand records, okay? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. They, do it, they do it with Excel. And mm -hmm. they have machines that can very, very easily spit, uh, I don't know, things in the order of uh, 100,000 objects with uh, tens of dimensions. And they can do that in a matter of hours, right? Like so. So it's it's really impressive. I mean, it's mm. wow. yeah, yeah. We we might have a special issue, big data, huh? For yeah, data sure, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, great topic, Andy. Yeah. I, I would yes, love to you. see your slides. Well, visit my website, visualizingdata.com. <laughs> they are there. They are right there. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, also, so Andy I, will be touring the big data conference scene. I'm doing, the, I'm doing the circuit this year, exactly. my word, yes. The Andy, fact, Andy World Tour. So, uh, so uh, Enrico, me, we're doing the event in um, London in September. Yeah. Big Data World. Yeah. And I'm also doing, <clears throat> excuse me, um, big, big Data Week on the 24th of April in London. And that's a panel uh, discussion event, I think. So it's it's certainly the the topic on the list of all the event organizers this year. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep, yep. So back to the uh, conference schedule. So following uh, me was Sheila Pontis. Yeah. No, no big data. No big data. In fact, no data at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Sheila talked about um, some research that she'd done on the kind of um, the kind of design process. And the 
difference between those who are kind of um, systematic mm-hmm. and those who are much more kind of spontaneous and um, kind of unstructured. Yep. Uh, and I think the from from memory the, the the structure of the presentation was talking about how she'd used about uh, five different people and done some real sort of deep case studies with those people mm-hmm. and they were all quite experienced designers. Um, can you remember the, the exact design context they worked in, Moritz? Um, yes, pro- so she gave design? them a, the task to design a graphic on global warming. Ah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and about the, the key factors and what we can do about it, things like that. And then... Um, the designers started to to work on that assignment and documented what they did, also handed in all the artifacts they produced and mm. when they worked on what. And with this, she could both determine the parallels but also the differences in working styles. And that was really interesting. I mean, yeah, was, I would absolutely. have loved to seen the, the full case studies of all the designers. Obviously, time didn't suffice for yeah. that. Uh, but I'll definitely try and get a hold of her uh, PhD thesis once That's it's out. That's right, yeah. 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 And I think the interesting uh, uh, takeaway for me was also hearing about one of the um, participants dropping out because oh, yeah. they, could, oh, yeah. they couldn't operate in such a systematic way that they had to yeah, yeah. kind of withdraw, yeah, which was really I, interesting. I can see that because it's sort of mm. always watched and then you second-guess everything. So if you're like overly conscious of you know these things, I can see how that doesn't work it's, at all. It's difficult, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's hard to do an, a really an, an experiment without any disturbance there. But it sounded really interesting. So we should have an eye on when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and once again... a. a a tip of the hat to Sheila for her wonderful work during the week as, as the president yeah, of the jury. Was, she was fantastic. And, and also the, the, the translator for everything and the mm. organizer. So she, yeah, and a big mediator also. She was always Absolutely, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and then after Sheila, we had Brian Christie. Yeah. Um, and, and Brian is a... I mean, interesting, Brian's a very, very well-known illustrator. I didn't know him at all fine before, artist. I have to admit. I had <laughs> and, no and this, was, this was. was a really interesting moment. Um, <laughs> and it kind of revealed the... The fact that we'd kind of infiltrated this this group of people because Brian asked the question, "Who doesn't know me? Who's not seen my work? Hands up!" <laughs> and they were kind of uh, essentially, essentially, there would be me, Maurice, the two of us, <laughs> Andrew, and uh, Robert Cazara, <laughs> um, and the rest was everybody. Yeah, Brian, he's so cool. Um, and, like, yeah. and whilst we'd spent all week with Brian, and he's a he's a, he's a smashing fellow, really funny, really really down to earth guy. He's an exceptional 3D illustrator and, okay. and, and fine artist. And he does a lot of work for uh, National Geo and uh, New York Times. Okay. All um, kinds of magazines. I mean, I, I talked guess, to a German uh, pharmacist paper uh, mm. edit, editor and they also use this work. So she, he, he's definitely all over the place. Okay. The thing yeah. is, in, in this world, there's... To me, it seems quite invisible who actually creates these works. Yeah. Because you don't always get the the the, the author or the artist at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Brian's Brian's a real sort of uh, um, frontline guy in, in this world, and he did, did a really, I really enjoyed his talk. It was very languid, very sort of relaxed, and just a kind of reflection on his on his works and his process and the things that it was. Uh, I can't remember the name of his talk. Something like desperation and. Uh, inspiration and desperation mm-hmm. inspiration, onward. Inspiration, desperation, onward. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> was, yeah. and he, it he's right. an artist type. He's an artist type. Like, yeah. with uh, all the, the emotion that comes with it and the, the, the whole 
he's like the genius moment guy. And then I had it, you know, and it came yeah, from this yeah. statue that I saw by Michelangelo. And then I knew how to do it, you know, like th this type of thing. <laughs> yeah, And that absolutely. was really interesting. Big, you know, just think about the bandwidth again. So you had me and uh, Andy, then you had Sheila, which, who did a, like a theoretical PhD on design processes. And then he has the artist, you know, it's, mm. so it was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, in the afternoon we had Simon Rogers, from yeah. the Guardian, made a, f a flying visit, literally, I think. Um, <laughs> Flew talked in, about... talked like for an <laughs> hour, like super fast, and delivered, I think, twice as much content as everybody else. I mean, both <laughs> because he like talked really long, but also talked really fast. And then flew off again. Like his last question was like ended with, uh, okay, it's now 30 minutes until the plane leaves. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the international the jet got, set. Um, an Air exactly. Force Two or something like that. Yeah, so exactly. Kind of, Helicopter. Um, <laughs> flop, 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 flop. But once again, you know, another sort of great, interesting talk rooted obviously in, in data journalism and about the, the the work that the Guardian do and some of the projects they've worked on, like the, the sort of Twitter visualizations that they've worked on around mm. the UK riots and. And also the, one of the most interesting pieces, which was the, the contrast of where those riots took place and where the people who could, uh, committed the riots uh, came from, which was a real kind of interesting geographical plot. So, yeah, once again, another great talk. Um, and that was followed by our friend Robert, Robert Kazara, who uh, runs the, the website Eager Eyes. Um, and this, and this was the, the, the contrast, Moritz, wasn't it, with the, uh, the question that Brian asked about who doesn't know me. Because Robert talked about um, a number of things, but he showed the, um, the bikini plot, the bikini chart. The, um, From Obama, it, right? About the Obama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right, um, which he profiled on his blog a few weeks ago. <clears throat> and obviously we, we've all seen it, and Robert asked the question, who's seen this blog? And there were, once again, there were very few hands. And it's... it's this kind of really rich experience that we all went through of being relative strangers in in this infographics rich world, and that was that was once again we jump into the reflection, but that was one of the, the most important things from the event, really for me. Yeah, yeah. That this, there's this whole world, and they see us as sort of the weirdos. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? So I mean, but well, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we are. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, Robert's talk was once again very interesting. It was, it, much of it was um, talking about kind of things like weight of color, which was an interesting concept, Moritz, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read this paper, so um, it's interesting research he does there on the sort of the what is read between the lines when you present mm. the visualization, like, and that may, might depend on if you have a pie chart, simply how it is rotated, right? So if you put a heavy color to the side, people will think the the wheel will run away, you know, yeah. it's not stable or it's a very rigid structure or not. And I mean, designers operate with that all the time. And researchers have ignored that for decades. <laughs> so I think it's, <laughs> it's fantastic that, um, that Robert picks that up. I, I think that's, that's really splendid. And I think more people should, should try and uh, mm. investigate this systematically. I know it's hard, but uh, I think it would be great. And then we had uh, Alberto, mm. Alberto Cairo, that was at the, the end. And he was profiling a lot of, a lot of things. I mean, he, he's got a book. Uh, a translated book due out in I think it's August, which is the functional art. Yep. Um, and there were many many sort of examples of the subjects that he covers in the book, and also from his work. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the name of the publication he's worked up until recently um, in Brazil, but I can't, it's, it's escaped my mind. Some of the projects that they did there, uh, I think he's the one a professor in Miami, I, I know that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, th there was one project around um, the kind of inequality of schools, um, private, public schools, and the, the marks that were being attained. So, mm -hmm. once again, just kind of brought an end to a, a really rich coverage day. Quite. I'd said Thursday was typically quite a visualization heavy day. Oh yeah, was, that's right. That was that yeah, was the, yeah. the the balance of the mm -hmm. of the content. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But moving into Friday, we kind of switched perhaps more into the the true Malofiage talks, I guess the, yep. the the illustrators and the the, the journalists, um, and it kicked off with Anna Gerdes from uh, Did Sight. Um, now I was. A little bit hungover, and therefore <laughs> missed this particular talk. It was the only one I missed. Um, I believe you were there, Moritz. I was there, of course, in the first row, <laughs> taking notes as usual. With your shades, looking on, all hopefully. smart and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, fresh as a daisy. Absolutely. And they did something very German, and the the very German thing was to perfectly prepare their talk, like to the last minute. Because they had a complete movie basically playing with an animated infographic te narrating their story. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was loads of, of effort w went into that. So it was about their newspaper, how they work, the, the things they produce, what they like, what they don't like, who's working there. You know, all these things, like a self-presentation, but it was like really 40 minutes of animated infographics. I was <laughs> pretty blown away. Yeah. But in the end, I mean... The, the downside might have been it was a bit rigid because they were actually like reading their text from little paper cards, mm. you know, in order to keep pace with the movie. But I mean, you, you absolutely have to respect the, <laughs> the the effort that went into that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very German. And reading, it's very reading. German. That's what I thought. It's like, <laughs> yes, that's the Germans. And, you know, like Brian Christie, he was standing there like, yeah, I just changed my whole presentation 10 minutes ago. <laughs> where where are my slides? Yeah. What did I want to say? Um, you know, and the Germans were we're like paper cards, yeah. <laughs> paper yeah, card yeah, number paper one, cards. number two, exactly. number three. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was still it was a great talk and very uh, sympathetic to or how do you say um, it was it was nice simply yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely so, so, yeah. and then we had Nigel Nigel Holmes Nigel Blue Nigel Blue yeah he's, what, a what a wonderful guy he's amazing yeah um, I mean I, I I guess I mean mo most people will probably know about Nigel's work I mean, he's I mean, he's. I think he started off in the. I think he officially 70s carries the title of greatest infographic artist alive. I think. Yeah. I think that's it's, pretty much an it, agreement. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Um, his his website's the, I think it's Explanation Graphics um, is the website he runs. But, I mean, he's been. Uh, the he said this was done time. eleven years ago by his um, nephew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yes. And since yeah, then, never updated, so it's not yeah. representative. But um, Nigel just gave a really. Uh, entertaining talk um talking about his life and some of his works that he was happy with some of the works he, he, he didn't like um i mean his title was crimes and passion uh sorry crimes and passions and it, it was just i mean it was so, such a fluid um narration of his career really and uh, there were little, little interjections of kind of his collection of because those who don't know nigel nigel's been wearing blue since the age of 17 clothes wise and so he's, he's obsessed with the colour blue and he showed this collection of all his blue glasses and his blue, <laughs> blue trains and shoes and, yeah, and yeah. it's it's That's wonderful. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, that, I mean, that was a, a real highlight for me, the, the talk that Nigel gave. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to describe it in a, in a single sentence, but once again, it just added to that, that um, the, the blend of the, of the talks. Um, and then following Nigel, we had uh, Matthew, Matthew Block from um, the New York Times. Um, and once again, he, he, he just talked more it's about his, his kind of portfolio of projects, really, didn't he? Yeah, and a few. He, I, I appreciate that he showed some inside tricks of how he created some yeah. some of his maps. So um, he did the, the a really heat nice map. Uh, heat map uh, visualization of where taxis were in New York at what time. It was quite stunning to see. I always thought it was pre-computed, but he actually computes the heat map on the fly in the browser using Flash, mm. using image processing techniques. And, and he showed all the steps, you know, first you draw the dots, then you blur them, then you apply this palette map thing to get the, the isoline type look. And, you know, these types of things, very helpful and a uh, great technique overall. And um, he's also the guy behind the, the census maps, the New York Times did, who used that dot um, yeah. technique which is really a smart way of working with density and categories at the same mm. time if you want to express like you know like they had this for racial distributions in america and you both want to say here's a lot of people and you both want to make a statement about different categories of these people that's an excellent technique and again he has this really smart way of doing that and yeah mm. and, and i think the, also, the other thing about um matthew's work and, and um sort of preemptive discussion on new york times is the speed at which they turn these projects around is amazing. Mm -hmm. We're talking about within within a day, yeah. some of these projects are produced, which is incredible. But he also said that's because he spent six months working on the framework. That's right. <laughs> right? So, so, so there's this foundation. Yeah? Yeah, Lots of time absolutely. for research, preparation, reporting also. and But then you can create results real quick if you have that. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Matthew is a splendid guy too, and I, I found him very impressive overall. He's, yes, he's yeah, fantastic, he yeah. And then we had uh, Ginny Mason from Nat Geo, who talked about a number of kind of cartography projects that they've done. Mm -hmm. Stunning over, work too. I mean, oh, it's amazing. This Venice map, oh, blew me. Oh, away. it's it's fantastic, and yeah. people should check that out. Yeah. Um, interestingly, the, the interesting sort of footnote to that project is that throughout the event, we had these wonderful students from the um, Faculty of Communications at Navarra, and they see this event, rightly so, as a, as a real privilege to be invited to, to volunteer and, and, and support. And they go, for, go through a, an interviewing process and one of the interview stages is they're asked to kind of explain and, and, and critique uh, an infographic and it was this Venice map that they were yeah, asked, yeah, yeah. asked to do, which was <laughs> kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, once again, I think the, the thing that stands out for me about uh, the work that Ginny showed and, and what she's been involved in is the depth of research, mm. the depth yeah. of accuracy that has to go into every single piece, the amount of checking, love of detail, real love to detail, yeah, yeah, and, and they even they have a real process for checking factual errors and also integrity of the mapping, you know. Mm. And I don't know anyone else who has that honestly. No, and I do it. You know, I sometimes I ask the client, like, oh, can you check if everything's correct? Just pick a few random values and look them up again. You know, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Or I might do it when, but usually I forget. So usually I just trust. <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard also from major publications that they basically just they they do that internally, but they don't have a big process around it. And no. that was really great to see that. It was yeah, National incredible. Geographic is so thorough about these things. Like very I mean, that kind of last the last five percent that they go through before launching a product is 
is amazing the, the effort that goes into it so yeah. that was a, once again another great talk and, and brought that new dimension of, of cartography and mapping mm-hmm. uh, and then we had Carl Carl de Torres who's once again I guess Carl de Torres <laughs> not Spanish though Carl no, he, no, he no. Makes, that, makes that point um, Carl's from San Francisco and I guess like Brian he's just one of the top um, graphic designers in, in Carl's case he does a lot of infographics work for magazines, he used to be the graphics editor at Wired, mm-hmm. um, and he he's I mean the, the the kind of portfolio work that he's done for like IBM and yeah, stunning, stunning work. Definitely. He's got he's got a real deep, impressive portfolio, and and, yeah. and his work is it's it's wonderful. I mean it's it's once again it's kind of pushing the boundaries of what we do in terms of the abstract nature of mm. data representation, but it is still there. You can still see the. The, the representation presentation. I, I found it so interesting because he picks up all the aesthetics from coming from data visualization and coming mm. from generative design, mm-hmm. but employs them in a graphic design context. Mm. So he will, you know, when he draws a network, he just draws a random network, but the look is like one yeah. <laughs> that is computed. But um, he told us he was just clicking his mouse until his <laughs> hand hurt so badly that he couldn't continue anymore and then he knew it was done. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, but it's interesting how he plays with these these icons, you know, and these, mm. these um, associations everybody has about these graphics. And he, mm. he basically does infographics without info and without the labels and without the the real insights, but he uses these to communicate on a whole different level, like yeah. more on the... On the gut, uh, and everything's with a twist. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's all know, very it, thought out and smart. So if not, someone's not commissioned to do something about data, and this was yeah. the, the important thing I think you mentioned, um, and it was this idea of, I mean, the title of the talk was "Visual Presentation of Invisible Processes." So how do you visually represent things that are invisible that aren't physical in form? And most people, when they're given a commission to do something about data, would do something der- derivative like ones and zeros. Mm. But Cal just kind of twists that or takes it in a new direction, and uh, yeah, I mean his, his work's stunning, and everyone should have a look at his um, his, his website for his portfolio because it's yeah. some really Good interesting, stuff. impressive work. Best sense of color, also like it's that's right. just yeah. unbeatable. He's he's very good. Yeah. Um, and then after Carl, we had Jaime, Jaime Serra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this was a really interesting piece. Um, Again, somebody I didn't know, and everybody knew who he was, and he's like well, super it. famous. And he also later he got he became like infographic artist of the decade or well, something they, like that. Yeah. You know? And I was like, oh, okay, wow, <laughs> nice, <laughs> clap, clap. Yeah. <laughs> but um, sometimes it, it, you mean, feel so stupid. Huh? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how to describe more other than to say it was a performance. Yes, it was a performance of, yes. So what he does is uh, these days, so he was a graphics editor for for Clarin, and at that time, I know also Clarin was really fantastic uh, in infographics. And now he's at uh, Vanguardia, La Vanguardia. Mm -hmm. It's a Catalan sort of independent newspaper, a smaller one. Yeah. And he has an infographics column, which is interesting. It's like a weekly probably column. Mm. And he just makes one little infographics experiment with some little text to it. And the text and the graphics go hand in hand, and together mm. they form a piece, you could say. And you, the, he performed these pieces by reading them and having a slide projection in the background. Um, and music and also, it was, I mean, it's so atmospheric. And, and he's got such a, an imposing physical presence as well. His voice is really deep and yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, it was, in, it was in Spanish, and I guess 
for those who were um, Spanish speakers, it was probably an even richer experience. But I mean, it, I go back to the same point. It was just another different talk, a different type of talk, a different subject matter that just added so much to the event, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's fascinating work. I don't have 100% access to it. Probably knowing Spanish would be good. <laughs> and also the, the whole style is not directly something that resonates with me, but I totally, yeah. see, I totally see that there's something there. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. Um, later, they also he won also prize for best infographic of the whatever. And uh, for La Ballena Franca, and it's oh, a beautiful the... piece about... About a whale the type, whale, I don't yeah. know, yeah, some specific whale. Yeah. And it's beautiful because he, he mixes like painting and these very let's straightforward graphics to this mm. altogether composition. It is very beautiful. I mean, You'd expect to see it in a, in a gallery, I think, that. that exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. But still, it's, it's, a, it's a true infographic, you know. It's Absolutely, not just yeah. pretending to be an infographic. No. It's an infographic piece and it's, it's really strong. So I, I, I have big respect. Mm. Yeah. And then we had Sergio um, Pisania. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. yeah. Sergio's from the New York Times. Um, he's the, I think he's the foreign graphics editor. Yeah. Um, and he did once again. He, he did a great talk about the projects that he's worked on. Um, and I guess most recently he's been involved very much in the work around the Arab uprising. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he talked about, but it was it was really interesting talk. He talked. Not just about graphics, but also about the journalistic process. He didn't talk about graphics. He, he really talked about the reporting, he how was to really, verify yeah. your sources, how to get in touch with people over there, how to piecewise construct reality, you know? Yeah. Very interesting. And, 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 and using things like um, photographic evidence of mm-hmm. certain buildings in certain positions and, and landmarks exactly to yeah. verify what you've seen perhaps in a YouTube report mm-hmm. to then verify that that... Um, that contact is genuinely in that part of the world. So it, it was a really, really interesting talk about the, the process that the New York Times goes through, about the verification of sources, um, and obviously uh, as the end product, the, the kind of graphics that have been employed to tell the stories about things like the clashes in uh, um, in, in Egypt, about the, the troops and the, the protesters. And, yeah, I mean, it was just a lovely insight into how the New York Times operates for me. Yeah. Um, and, and very personal up. again. We just yes, also say absolutely. many of the presenters, there was an immediate personal connection also with the audience. And he, That's it right. wasn't different. Yeah. 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 Um, and I also got the, the same impression from the last talk, which was from mm-hmm. Mari, Mario Tashion. Um, now, Mario kind of wraps things up, I thought, quite perfectly with um, a kind of a, a top 10 list of trends, of thing, opportunities and challenges. Yeah. And... I mean, it's, it's, there's probably a lot of things that we, we can resonate with there in terms of the opportunities about Twitter and different tools and, and, and different developments. But it was a kind of a perfect conclusion, really, because had it been another talk about this is a project I've done or if it was another infographic illustrator, this is how I do my methods, that would have been covered. But once again, this was a, another unique piece in the, in the sort of jigsaw of the two days and it kind of brought an end to a, a wonderful two days of speeches, really. Um, and then we kind of moved into this uh, interesting process of the awards. And I, I guess at this point, Moritz, we need to talk about the judging process. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was all the, the conference part, but the second big part of the whole event is the prizes, really. And so you can win a gold medal, silver medal, bronze. Uh, 
in different categories, online or print, and and so on. And so this was what we were busy with the first few days, like determining who who would win these medals, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And from 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 what I read, it looks like there was quite a a lot of discussion about a sort of monopoly from New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, think that was I mean, the, the main the main thing I've seen discussed on Twitter is basically that, right? It is. I mean, and there's some really important points about the context of the jury process here. We had three days to go through 1,500 entries, um, of which about 1,100, 1,200 were print and three, 400 were uh, online. Um, and so the, the first round, which is about elimination, and it kind of roots out about 20, 70 to 80% in terms of eliminated pieces, because that's the only way you can cope in terms of the, the stages further down the line where you start to discuss things a bit more about potential medal winners. Um, and so for that first round, it really is unfortunately quite an instinctive, um, impulsive process. Um, you haven't got also time a to... a quick Im- one, I, I could imagine. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. online was a bit different, but in print, I think you have to go quick in the first That's right. Yeah. Uh, and you, you don't really have a chance, uh, unfortunately, to, to read all the annotations, all the labels, all the kind of context information. Mm. Um you obviously don't know about the background of the of the organisation that much. Um, you know the kind of what kind of resources they've got, what kind of history of work they've got. So sure. the first round is quite brutal. So you you, you have to eliminate some. <laughs> and then you, the second round is about switching the process into a, a selection of those pieces that could potentially merit either a gold, silver, or bronze award. Um, and after each selection of these, we immediately de- debated and, and voted on the the medals that would be awarded. And I think, going back to your point there, Enrico, about the discussion of Monopoly, the most important thing here is the fact that a bronze medal is a really wonderful award. Mm-hmm. And, it's, mm-hmm. and it, it's, we're talking about a very small percentage. Quite something. Yeah. Um, if you've got that, you've essentially uh, convinced 70% of the jury that this is a worthy piece. Mm. Silver, you know, even more so. Next kind of, I guess it's a pyramid. And then obviously gold is, is, is something that kind of comes with a, a great responsibility mm-hmm. for the jury. I mean, we're talking about the 20th anniversary. It, it kind of had that extra special feel that we had to really be, be quite um, unanimous about the, the voting for, for golds. But, I mean, ultimately, from the, I'll, I'll speak about the print before uh, Moritz can speak about the online, but the print work, yes, it was dominated by the New York Times, um, no, I don't think there'll be any apologies for, for doing that because this is just the best insurer of, of, of the entire uh, submission uh, population. It was, it, it was just a set of really clear, um, powerful, uh, informative and beautifully elegantly designed mm. pieces that you just couldn't argue with. And yeah. whilst there is and has been a lot of debate about the the kind of sweeping of the board of, of mm-hmm. much of the awards from the yeah. New York Times. Yeah. I mean, Amanda uh, Cox always says uh, good infographic is clear and compelling and they they nail that, you know? Exactly. The clarity and the compellingness. They always have an interesting angle, you know? It's yeah. always like, ah, twist. But yeah. at the same time, it's never gimmicky. It's always like dead, dead honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, and in I some, think... in some, I found their put, I find their portfolio a bit safe in a sense that they have a, they have a formula, 
No? Yes. Yeah. But this formula is so good. I mean, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Why, why wouldn't you use it? Exactly. So yeah. they, they should use it. And also Sergio wrote something nice in email correspondence because he said, forget about all this. We have a readership to serve. This is what we think about. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the readership of the New York Times loves the graphics and yeah. write so, you know. So um, but also, they do great they work. They submitted a lot yeah. of work yeah. and not everything got yeah. awarded. Yeah. So there, there is a, a kind of proportion thing there as well. But, but it I is mean, interesting too that this best of show piece, the Guantanamo uh, prisoners, mm. Enrico, probably you haven't seen it. It's a very simple uh, line uh, chart type thing where you see all prisoners in Guantanamo and how long they stayed and when they a were released. Prisoners. Yeah, <laughs> and basically you can say one pixel. So left to right, you have the time. Top to bottom, you have all the prisoners arranged by countries or nationalities. And you can say one pixel in the graphic is one prisoner staying in Guantanamo for a certain time unit. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's so powerful because it's so it's it's the absolute essence of information in there. You know, it's tough yeah. tough D squared. <laughs> and but um at the same time it's it's extremely there's no no illustrative aspect about it at all. You know, it's pure data. Yeah. It's like the the pure brutal data. And this and one won best of show, and it was done in a day by by the way, or less yes. than a day. And, and Jonathan Corum, who, who, who did the piece, has, yeah. has wrote a really interesting blog post on, it, on his site about yeah. how he kind of constructed it and the, the, the kind of uh, the evolution of that graphic. Exactly. And the thing uh, is, it wasn't also for for nobody. It was a big graphic. It wasn't, yes. you know, nobody would have called that the graphic of the year beforehand. But somehow, in this context of what we were judging, it just stood out for its the, it does, the, the, the brutal also, clarity. Got, you know, <laughs> you've got this thing as well about when you see it in its raw native format mm -hmm. with the story on the side and the headlines it just works so beautifully the balance of the graphic with the text on the side yep. it almost looks like text it almost reads like a textual mm -hmm. graphic but um yeah i mean that that, that was that was the, the the best in show on the print side which conveniently hands over to moritz for the uh, discussion about the online stuff Yes, and the funny part was that we had the same best of show or the same gold medal um, for the for the interactive counterpart of that uh, graphic, which was online, much more narrative. So it had a play button where you could see the development over time. Completely different piece. Completely different, much more reduced to the uh, much more um, um, easy to digest. Mm. So the print mm. version was the big data version and the deep exploratory one, and the online version was interestingly the 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 much more story focused one i i found that interesting That's in, yeah, yeah interesting twist yeah, yeah. so I, I wanted to ask a question to you guys regarding this sort of monopoly from the new york times and um what do you think is the formula i mean i, I was reading the the blog post about malofier uh in uh, Eager Eyes by Robert, mm -hmm. and uh, he has a sentence where he says, uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, in fact, I'm convinced that the New York Times could easily be beaten up by a group of programmer journalists who spend a week researching tools available for their work. Mm. And I, on the one hand, I not so kind of, <laughs> I, I tend to agree to some yeah. extent. Yeah. I mean, my question is, is it because... Are they so powerful because they really have some special skills? Or is mm -hmm. it more the lack of these skills in the others that is at, at the... I, 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 I would say it's not, definitely not, not the latter. No. There's some really good work out there. 
but for me, I mean, I'm, I'm actually writing an article about the, the secrets of New York Times success at the moment. Um, and by the time this podcast is out, it'll probably publish. But for me, it's the, the, the key secret is the, is the strength of the editorial process. Mm-hmm. The fact that the, the graphics team are so embedded in the, in the journalist side of the business that they've got the, the real um, carved-out storyline, the, the kind of carved-out questions that they're trying to answer. And the graphics just respond to those 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 prompts, that editorial context. Then you've got the the visual identity, which is obviously an editorial process as well. And it, this creates a, just a wonderful, consistent formula that kind of creates these really compelling and, and clear pieces, as Moritz said. Yeah, but I, I think it's also not that easy in just saying, you know, they just need that hacker spirit, all the other, you know, agencies. I think they built up that culture over years. Mm. And... And they, you can see that that there's so much consistency to consistency to the work and an effortlessness, you know. And the yeah, it, it feels so light always. There's 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 no effort, and at the same time, you know, it's all the result of really hard work beforehand. Oh, yeah. Exactly, you know, as Matthew showed, so he can do the taxi map in a day because he spent six months six, on yeah. building the framework for mapping, yeah. or, or the election maps was that. Yes, yeah. yeah. And this is exactly the thing. And and I think uh, I mean, uh, um, I think it was Linda Eckstein asked the question in the audience. You know, how come people beat the New York Times, which was a, a kind of phrase that was coming up quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I, I responded by saying actually that. What they've done is it's it's actually easier to stay at the top because they've spent years and years crafting this wonderful kind of winning formula. It's almost easier to stay at that level than it is to arrive at that level mm-hmm. and get to that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know it's it's not easy for others to 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 attain these levels, but we we did see some wonderful stuff, and it doesn't take much for us at mm. silver to move up to a gold. Yeah, but um, I also have to say, generally, their work is very fit to such a competition where the mm. judges have to agree. Mm. because it's easy to agree on the New York Times. It's much mm. harder to agree on something maybe more provocative or something more entertaining, you know, that might lack some depth. And or even something so, in a different language. Or if it's in a different language where mm. not everybody gets the gist of the graphics straight away. Mm. And so it's not a fault of the competition, but I think their work also works well in that judging situation, I have mm. to say. And we had much more... I would say much more entertaining or more provocative or more visually exciting work, mm. I think, in the silvers and bronzes. Mm, mm. But it's tough to convince like eight, nine, ten different, very different Absolutely. people. And yeah. they maybe they're more least common denominator. In a sense, they make, they make flawless work mm. with an interesting journalistic twist and, and strong graphics. But sometimes they're too grown up i think you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's very serious what they do and and some yeah. people have just bring more uh, rock and roll spirits <laughs> but it's hard to win the gold with rock and roll spirit I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and and so the the conclusion of the summit was the <laughs> the um the kind of uh, firing squad uh, announcement of the winners. I love that, yeah. There was, was this group, moment. internet group, Do Brasil, <laughs> and they, they do lovely graphics, like vibrant colors and nice illustrations. It just warms your heart. They had this orange production piece I watched over and over again because I mm. loved the animation so much. I mean, little content information voice, but it's so beautiful. The little trucks and the, the trees, they grow. And That's stuff. right. Yeah, so much fun. And yeah, that's the other side, sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and and so that was that was the that was the conference, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just realized we learned so much. You know, it's crazy. So much things yeah. I, I wasn't aware of, and now they're all there and confuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we we've both um, kind of independently said that it was probably the best conference we've been to in its yes, own right. It, it was one of the um, best, definitely. Yes. You know, I, I've I've already said in my blog it was one of the best weeks of my professional life. Just the every element of it, the judging, the people, the the process, the the, the place, mm -hmm. the, the food, everything was just a wonderful experience. Um, but yeah, I, th I think for, for us it's this interesting challenge of how do we recreate such an event in, in the visualization world and is it something where actually you need to drop out of your own sphere mm -hmm. into these other uh, kind of environments to, to learn and be influenced by new things that otherwise you're, quite, you're not quite um, tapping into. I mean, as we said, we didn't know about Brian's work before. Now we do and we, we're kind of enriched by that. But how would we have otherwise come across that the, other than through some kind of serendipitous sort of discovery, no, really? The problem is that there are so many communities, different communities mm -hmm. around visualization. So I could mm -hmm. mention cartographers. If you yeah, go to a they have their own conferences too. They have yeah. their own conferences, their own world, and they have been doing this thing for ages. Mm -hmm. For ages. Yeah, 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 sure. They know right? everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I then, you know, I was at South by Southwest and there were all the young web infographics people and they don't know about the Malafier scene as well, you know? Mm. Yeah, sure. So they have their own uh, culture. I mean, it's only like two years old and pretty crappy, but <laughs> they have their own culture too. And so there's all these niches that's, yeah, I, I was struck by that over the last few weeks, how... And from the outside, you would think we are all doing the same or should at least be interested in what the other people are doing, right? <laughs> mm. And yeah. in the end, yeah. I so mean, I appreciate a lot that they invited us, Andy. Isn't that great? I Absolutely. Mean, you know, yeah. because for them, it was it is sort of a stretch, like, oh, the data people and hmm, should we really? But they, they went for it. And, uh, Absolutely, and yeah. I think it was for everybody, for for both sides, it was very enriching. Yeah. But I, I th uh, and, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Enrico, sorry. I think we, we will have more and more of these kind of events where we try to merge people that come from different backgrounds. Because as I said, it's so diverse. There are so many different sources and different communities. And uh, as visual I think this is a sign that visualization as a whole field is growing. Mm. And, and uh, necessarily, I think that's a natural development of the whole field, right? Visualization yeah. has been developed by so many different communities and now these communities start understanding that there are other people who are doing the same thing or similar things. Mm. And um, I mean, in a way, this is also happening in, um, in academia. So I am part of the organizing committee for uh, this week, this year. Mm -hmm. And I've heard many discussions about the idea of, uh, yeah, we have many people who are doing this out of academia and some of them are pretty remarkable. Their work mm. is pretty remarkable. How do we involve them in our conferences, our gatherings? And That's I think, right. And I think this is going to happen a little bit everywhere. I don't know if I this is does. going, I don't know if this is going to happen with statisticians, but... <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, no, no one wants too many statisticians in a, in a single conference. But um, um, I think, I think, I mean, an example of how this worked so well on the judging process, for example, was, I mean, Robert was a wonderful judge. He was so forensic in, in his analysis of, of the pieces, but he was applying that also to information graphics, um, illustrations, and vice versa. So, like Brian or Carl, when you explain to them um, from from your perspective a visualization piece. 
it illuminated their world as well. And I, we really need to find a way to kind of get this uh, kind of cross-fertilisation of, of perspectives uh, happening more often, really. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. For me, it also, I had to rethink again what is visualization, what is information graphics. Mm -hmm. You know, just these, these basic questions which you don't really think about on a daily level. Ah, But for yes. instance, we had these graphics that were mostly annotated photographs. Mm -hmm. Also, New York Times stitched together photographs from a war scene or after a war event. Yeah. But annotated with what was there before or what the destroyed structures were. And Andrew was like, wow, that's brilliant. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's really brilliant journalism. But listen, it's not information graphics. It's just a photo <laughs> with labels, you know? Listen, <laughs> you know? And we had similar discussions. And then the next day I woke up and I was like, of course, that's information graphics. What else, you know? <laughs> so I was really confused. And then National Geographics does these things like reconstructing how, I don't know, ancient people looked like or how the Titanic the looked players. like, you know? Mm. Is that an information graphic or is that just illustration, just in quotation marks? Or what, what is it after? Or is it science, you know? Well, that's it. And, and, I, and, and I, thing... I'm totally confused now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about that project is that in its in, in its submission format, it yeah. was just an image of this. I think it's called hominid, yeah. hominid face. Yeah. This reconstruction, so it just looked like a, a, a face, an illustration. Mm -hmm. When you learned afterwards about the work that went into that, and it was built on millions of data points of research about bone structures, about muscle movements. Yeah. You can't help but then start to think, oh, well, that is actually a visual representation of data, so maybe it is a visualization piece. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's, it's that, really the, 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 the context. Blur. Yeah. Mm. So it is difficult, but yeah, we've, I guess we've come away with perhaps more questions than we have come away with answers, but I guess that's part of learning. <laughs> One so, would hope. I, I mean, for me, that was, that's, <laughs> that's the wrap-up of uh, the Age 20, and what a great pleasure to be there, and thanks to everybody who had any involvement in it and... Uh, I think Moritz would share that view, really. Yeah, I, I think it's going to stay with us for a long time, all these impressions yeah. and all the, the connections and so on. So if you have a chance to make it, I can definitely recommend just it. Just go. Yeah, uh, definitely. Just go. <laughs> exactly. <that's laughs> just go. <laughs> Don't think. Just go. Yeah. Just go when it's And on, the though, other yeah. thing is, the other thing is, let's talk about, I haven't talked much about online, so I was an online judge. But, I mean, it is traditionally very focused on newspapers, right? Or magazines. Mm -hmm. But as we all know, interesting stuff happens online also outside the traditional newspapers or traditional uh, media publishers. And I had a sense many of the things we appreciate uh, in web visual, uh, visualization would have been appreciated too at the, at the awards. And I mm. think next year we should all hand in great stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or like ask others, you know, who we know have done great stuff. Hey, don't you want to, to hand that in? Because I think lots of projects that are around would qualify at good data journalism or good information graphics yeah. in, in that context too. And it would be great just to, again, to 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 bridge the worlds a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I think that's Malofish for me. Yeah. Okay. I we're think we over have... an hour. I mean, it's okay over an because hour. Andy, Andy uh, talked so much, so I think it's okay. Record for us. <laughs> <laughs> But it was really interesting. Thank you, yeah. guys. Thank you very much. Now I want to go there next year. 
Yeah, you should. I mean, you are still fresh and unspoiled and everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unbroken. Exactly, I have to yeah. find a way to get in, an invitation, actually. How did you make it? Yeah. Oh, well, it costs a lot of money, a lot of bribes. <laughs> um, and, you yeah. know, part, part of the punishment was this uh, set of dance moves I was asked and commanded to, to produce uh, on, on the Thursday evening, which I didn't want to do, but, you know, you, you have to do something. Yeah. No, I, so, I hear part, you have to be nice to past judges and speakers. I think that's the key. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's the key. <laughs> so so look, look through the Malofiage catalogue and, and see all the, the list of judges. And people like Stephen Few, the first line of... Line of I know a few of the judges. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll okay. see. Was great having you, Andy. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I well, actually, we, we I mean, we first uh, booked you, let's say, for for a totally different data source yeah, right. on yeah, teaching yeah. and learning visualization, because actually that's Andy's sort of home turf. That's so right. we, we might do that at a later stage, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We definitely have to do it more. So this one was more the breaking news. We came back from Spain story, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. We, 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 we can do the other one too. I, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it's one of the things that our listeners want to listen to the most. Mm. Uh, other people. So it was a common request. <laughs> they want to listen to other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we have to do it soon. Fantastic. And, I love uh, I I love our listeners. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> oh I, I do as well. <laughs> of course. Of course. Good, good. And I'd also like to hear from listeners of this particular podcast the most unusual places that people are listening to the uh, podcast. So are the most on unusual train, place in a bath, ah, in a helicopter. Okay. In prison, who knows? <laughs> so yeah. send us in send us in details of where you've listened to this particular podcast, and let's let's see the most unusual. Sounds I think you would you would notice a peak on the bathroom. <laughs> if, you, if you have a bar chart, you will have a long bar. We can do some statistics if we can do some statistics. Answer. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's wrap it up, guys. Before we before we de uh, des uh, descend into nonsense, I mean, yeah. <laughs> as if that hadn't Further. happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gracias, yes. adiós, hasta luego, amigo. <laughs> <laughs> Dos beer, por favor. <laughs> Dos cervezas. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> right, goodbye, guys. Uh, goodbye. It was great. See you later. Bye. 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 bye.